Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's podcast. Now, as some of you know, the website and the podcast and pretty much everything around Retro RGB is going through some changes lately, so I want to try to experiment and see where else we could expand to. So last week I invited Smoke Monster on to do an awesome segment about ROMs, and he's definitely going to be returning in the future to do something. We haven't figured out quite what yet, but we got to have him back because I, I really love the section. Uh, and this week I'd like to invite... Wes from Second Opinion Games. What's up, man? Nothing much, nothing much. I am so glad to be here. Yeah, I'm really happy to have you on as a co-host this week. You're the first one, so let me uh, prepare properly here. Going oh. school style with some PBR. And, Ooh. Uh, That's so. from where I've, I, I'm having a G2 Gatorade, so oh, I, I don't know. I don't know if I you can know. make it through the whole thing. I don't know, man. i got to drive home after this. all right well i'm really looking forward to getting this done so uh let's just jump right into the news and see what we can do absolutely okay first up is something i actually missed last week um crix updated his game gear and master system rom cards to to re-add sg 1000 support um so that was a while back uh at some of his firmware updates wouldn't play sg 1000 roms uh, now it does apparently. So I'm not sure why or what the deal was. But do you have any of those, the Game Gear or Master System ROM? Cards? I do not have. I have the Famicom one gotcha. right now. That's the only one I have. Uh, so far, I have had no issues, and it's it's running great. I do have one of the knockoff ones for the Super Nintendo. Gotcha. Was it the S? S D S one. Yeah. SDX or something. One you sent me and I ended up buying a copy of it. The one gotcha. that it, some of the stuff doesn't work on it. But the, the, the everything I got from Crix, it works great so far. Well, Which very is just specifically with this one, um, you can't use SG-1000 games on a Genesis, even through a power-based converter or anything like that. Really? Because it requires... The SMS actually has different video modes that the SG-1000 supports. And the mm-hmm. SG-1000 is the original, you know, the Japanese predecessor yeah. to the master, master system so uh, anybody with those rom carts the the num- the most notable game you might uh realize doesn't support it is if you just play safari hunt not like hang on safari hunt or something it loads the sg1000 version so that's the thing that would be most notable for people with those rom carts oh. next it looks like a collector found a version of michael jackson's moonwalker walker for the genesis with thriller in it so um do you know about this one did you, you know the game it, the audio wasn't in the original game it wasn't it had other uh michael jackson hits 
for that, but it this one actually has supposedly, I don't know if this is true, it, it, it everything seems to check out. It seems like it's made on a prototype cartridge that would have been used at the time. It has as all the hallmarks of being an actual prototype, the way that Sega would print the cartridges, the way that the labeling was was internally through Sega. And there seems to be some history there with Michael Jackson requesting them remove the thriller. Uh, there's, of course, a lot of issues with the music usage with these games. And then, I don't know, right, the, the, the strange relation. Exactly. The strange relationship that Sega and Michael Jackson has had. You know, Sans, the who knows. I take it this was before Sonic 3. Yes, it game. would have to yes. be. Because this is 90, 1990. Exactly. So, actually, yeah, that's way before. So, gotcha. Um, and I don't, I don't think a ROM has been dumped yet, right? No. No, Hopefully we're all. They will. Hopefully, they'll all. Uh, all these people will realize what they have and share with the community because they sure as hell aren't going to try to sell reproduction copies of that. Michael Jackson's yeah. estate will sue the <laughs> hell out of them. So. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, I'll keep everybody updated if a ROM does appear. It looks like Darksoft has sent two prototypes of his MVS ROM cart to testers, and as long as there's no major issues, it should get... Now it's, like, very close to pre-order, I guess, but I know I've been teasing this for a while, but I, I've really just been giving everybody updates as Darksoft um, posts them, uh, and I'm just really excited to give it a try. So, you know, when I was playing through the Neo SD, I got to play through a bunch of Neo Geo games that I'd only played through an emulator before, and uh, there's a lot of great ones on there. And, you know, I think this is, at least the AES version, is the only time in my life I will look right at the camera and say I am not going to buy any of those games. <laughs> <laughs> like, with all the games that I love, like, I, I, I own the originals, I play the fan hacks, I'm very adamant yeah. about that. But I am never going to spend $15,000 on Neo Turf Masters for AES. You could yeah. fuck right off. There's just never going to happen. Oh so that's God. the only time. I'll probably end up buying the MVS versions, but the AES, steal, steal, steal. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I have I have no qualms with you doing that. Not that I have ever done that before. Wink, wink. Uh, yeah, the, the AES stuff is just... it's. I can't. I'm, I'm trying to think of some something to relate it to in terms of like the price. It's just it's just they're goofy expensive. No, it's and it's just for collectors. It's not for players. Yes. So, which is you know nothing wrong with that, but that's not who I am. So yeah. Next, the fan made game Alex Kid Two is now Alex Kid Three. I guess ah. the creator Yeti Bomar. I think it's Yeti Bomar. Bo I think you're Bo saying it, Bomar. Bomar. Well, Yeti. I'll take the blame because I screw up every name that I say yeah. on the show. So, um, <laughs> but I guess there was already another fan hack named Alex Kid Two, so he changed it to Alex Kid Three and updated a ton of the levels and stuff. And I mean, this is you know I love fan hacks. I play them all the time, yeah. but this one feels like a real game. I mean, it feels like a Sega made game. So anybody who's a fan of the series and has a way to play this, especially if you could play it on a ROM cart on real hardware, I highly recommend it. So definitely a good one. I like the uh, the little artwork that they made too on the forum where it's Alex Kid Three, Curse in the Miracle World, and then in a little parentheses scribbled because another hack is also named Alex Kid Two. Yeah, I love that. I was I'll, like, I'll I, make sure to put that up in the in the picture so everybody can yeah. see it. <laughs> Next, it looks like the NES Golf copy that was found on the Switch is real, and it turned out to be a tribute, right? Yes, yes. On um, I believe it is July or June seventeenth, the 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 date in which uh, Satoru Iwata passed away, the president of Nintendo, mm -hmm. 
uh, if you do his Nintendo Direct to you that he'd always do. I'm trying to do it into the camera. There we go. Um, <laughs> it will launch the game NES Golf, which is a game he pretty much almost single-handedly made himself. The, Jeez, that's that a cool is, story. It's insane. That and Balloon Fight are like two games that he literally just kind of like sat down in a room and did it himself. Um, and I don't know if I got the date correct. Uh, July 11th. It's July, July 11th. 11th. July 11th. That is really and, cool. So it proves that the that you know, as we all kind of suspected, there is absolutely, definitely a NES emulator in the Switch. Um, yes. And I love I love the story behind it. I love that there's like a real reason that it was put there and you know and hidden like that. So that's that's cool. It's it's a little bit of uh, Sotero like watching down on each system. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just cool. It's just it's it's really cool. It's it's heartwarming. Definitely. Well, we got to at least mention Metroid Samus Returns, right? I mean, it's kind of an epic game to, to have come out, especially for classic gaming fans. About time. About time. Uh, <laughs> one of the few YouTube outings I've ever done, which got, like, I think close to 30,000 views, was my review of AM2R comparing it to Metroid 2. That was a great review, so I'm glad you get all the views on that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I actually edited that <laughs> with real <laughs> editing software. Um, no, it's it's uh, I've I have four Metroids left. So n- no spoilers. The whole game, you're killing 40 Metroids, just like the original Metroid 2. Uh, and they get progressively harder as they evolve, as you play through the game. Uh, I'm going to reserve more review for later, but I'm enjoying it. I'm definitely enjoying it. There are certain things that people might, you know, especially if you're a retro gamer, you're probably wondering about the the three dimensional. Like was it? Yeah, the two point five D. That's yeah. what all the kids are calling it now. Um, they they definitely. I thought they did a good job with it. At first, it's one of those things where when you see it in YouTube videos, it's blown up. It looks gross. But when you see it on the 3DS, the new 3DS, it looks really good. And uh, I must preface it that Bob and I are both playing them on the new 3DS, the smaller one with the, that has been discontinued. Um, we, have, we have definitely tried to find IPS screens. These are the screens that yep. they look much better. As you can see, they don't wash out when you go side to side. Versus, and this is the same one, but with a TN screen. And you can literally see it just oh. wash out entirely. Oh, I'm really glad that you showed that. That is very yeah. cool. So Wes was nice enough to hunt me down a new 3DS because uh, I love Metroid and I really wanted to experience this in the best way possible. And I know this is kind of dumb, but I hadn't really done uh, an XL versus regular comparison until I sat down. Justin, a.k.a. Goodwill Hunter, sent me his. And when I played uh, the XL... And you know, because I I had the Zelda edition for a while, yeah. Um, and then I had played the regular one. I actually liked the smaller screen better, which is rare for me because I like it big. But exactly, yeah. <laughs> but the fact that the pixels were closer together, I mean, it, I, I honestly thought it looked a lot better. And you know, you just yeah. hold it a little bit closer to your face, and it's the same thing. So um, I, I'm really, really pleased that I got to play it on a smaller new 3DS. I hate their naming nomenclature. I know. <laughs> Um, thank you very much for getting that. Uh, I loved the game. But yeah. i got to say, and I, I feel like I almost don't want to say it because I feel like people might expect me to say this, but um, I will absolutely play this game again at some point in my life, And which is, you know, I like playing games, but it's rare that I want to replay it. But I guarantee, you know, as life goes on, I will replay AM2R more than this game. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. Um 
And this is a top tip for people who are curious about getting a new 3DS. If you want to get the better IPS screen, I have noticed that the Pokemon Edition ones and the Animal Crossing Edition ones are highly more likely to get the IPS screens. No promises. You don't know what you're going to get. But the ones that I've seen that are usually the Pokemon ones or the Animal Crossing one have the nicer IPS screens. Also... Nintendo's website is selling, even though they're discontinued, refurbished ones of these for $125. That is a good deal. Yeah, so if you are if you want to get a new 3DS, you want the smaller one with the or changeable faceplates and what Bob and I consider the better, smaller screen, uh, I feel there's no better deal right now than to get the, the refurbished units direct from Nintendo.com. So I got two questions for you then. So sure. uh, first of all, do you notice a difference in the IPS screens? Um, when you're looking straight on or only when you have it slightly askew? Um, it is. The colors are more vivid. Uh, I posted on my Twitter, but at some point, you know, if there was only some type of website that we could keep all this stuff at. <laughs> Working on it. Working on it. Um, you, the, the colors are definitely more vivid because the contrast is much deeper in an IPS screen. Gotcha. So especially a game like Metroid. Even though it's a bright game, there are some areas where it's the golds and the blues and the greens are really against like this faded dark background, and it just looks much better than an IPS screen, especially darker colored games. Gotcha. And is that the uh, the retro faceplate? Is that the aftermarket yes. faceplate on yours, the one with Mario on it and everything? Yeah, this is the uh, – oh, it's official. It's the uh, Nintendo-like yep. characters for uh, – what was it? Mario Maker. Yeah. So you yeah, get all the I, sprites and everything. I like that one. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, that uh, Mario 64 online, um, that got, I think, got shut down. So oh, really? <laughs> Nintendo uh, pulled the videos from YouTube, and I think they got their, um, their Patreon account shut down. And, I, I mean, I'm sure some people are going to disagree with me, but uh, this is kind of the thing where you, you know you saw that coming. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, that's especially because some of the features they were teasing was online multiplayer of virtual console games, which who knows if we'll ever actually get that. But, you know, this isn't a fan hack. This is directly, you know, competing with the feature that they're trying to sell people soon. So. Yeah, I'm curious about uh, you want what they should do. Sega is a lot more accepting of this. They should do a multiplayer of Sonic Adventure. You think people are going to get behind that? <laughs> you know, it could. It, 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 you never know. But yeah. I don't know. I, it's sad to see a lot of work go down the drain, yeah. but at the same time, I mean, you got to pick and choose your battles, guys, and that's not one that anybody's going to defend you on. So. Yeah. Oh, well, hope anybody that was interested got a chance to at least try it out. Well, speaking of Mario 64 hacks, uh, it looks like one person on YouTube has posted videos of hacks that he made. The first was he took the entire map of Ocarina of Time and made it into one Mario 64 level. And then after that, he was able to make an infinite size level in Mario 64. So uh, that's pretty crazy. Like, I can't even think. I mean, I would have to be playable on a ROM card. I don't even think that you'd... You'd have you'd be able to actually have a cartridge to fit that much yeah. data on it. Just just uh uh make like some sort of connector that goes into like one of those Western digital externals that you just have to keep getting bigger and bigger, and then send it to a NAND server, and then you're playing your infinitely big Mario sixty four level. All I have to say to this guy is 
don't start a Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> right. Don't, yeah, don't right. try to sell it. So and just put it on a form so people can download it for free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because we want people to actually get it. So I mean, I love weird stuff like this. I mean, that's I just, awesome. I'm never going to sit there for hours and try to walk through an infinite size level, but I, I'm definitely going to throw it in my ROM cart and play it for a little while. So. And uh, thanks very much to Kenji for sending over those links. Kenji always sends me some some really cool and random stuff, so thanks, man. <laughs> Another update from Super G. He said that the G-SCART Switch Lite will be available again for pre-order in about three weeks, and the G-Comp Switch will be ordered, uh, the batch for that will be ordered after it. So uh, anybody who is looking for more Switches, um, they're coming. Uh, I guess he posted an update to say the light boards are finished manufacturing, he ordered all the case parts, and now they're soldering everything together. So uh, I'm not sure if that means he turned uh, to like a turnkey manufacturing, or if this is um, if this is for a new order. Uh, but I like the fact that there's progress. So now, does he order them? And there's like a set. Oh, sorry. He used to order the parts, and I believe assemble. Uh, I believe all of the solderable components were assembled by a factory. And then he would get the plexiglass, the boards, and assemble and test each one himself, okay. and then pack and ship. So, okay, yeah. Did you get a chance to test the light, or do you just have the original three point four? I believe it was. I I I was able to test it, and I love it because I used it to calibrate my BVM monitor against my PVM, because I was able to run both of them at the same time. So there's a the use for, for both, definitely. I Absolutely. I require the 3.4, the one with the VGA and the SCART output for my yes. setup. So I, I will never I will never get rid of that one forever. Uh, but yeah. I do also have a light that I use in specific scenarios, and uh, I lent it to the guys for the Too Old, Too Furious tournament as well. That yeah. worked out really well. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and the, the G-Comp switch, too, that's... Um, that's one that Steve from HD Retrovision tested, and he said that yeah. he didn't find any major issues with it, and he finds issues with everything. So That's good. That's good. <laughs> so, yeah. So anybody that was looking for either one of those, uh, I, I will post, um, or I will let everybody know in the podcast, but I guess I'll also retweet when they come up for sale or anything. Jason from GameTech just posted a video of him repairing a Dujin Dance um, duo system. Um, and, you know, he did pretty much the same thing that Voltar did, and he actually had Voltar come on uh, in the middle of the uh, the video and kind of walk him through some of the things that he had found. Um, but I, I do really like how Jason was approaching this, because those machines were in bad shape, but he's approaching this as it's a success story. You know, it took a lot of poking and prodding, and then finally a video from Voltar exposing whatever you want to, you know, whatever you want to say. Yeah. But it took a video... <laughs> To, to finally give Dujan Dance a kick in the pants to change his mod work. And he did. I mean, uh, you know, I haven't personally seen the newer ones, but it, the people that have opened them up and sent pictures, um, you know, it looks like his mod work's gotten good. And, it's, yeah. you know, he's removed things like there's no more, you know, wads of epoxy. You know, he's using real connectors and stuff now, so that's pretty good. Um, and also... Uh, on, uh, I didn't realize somebody had sent it in. Uh, on Dujan Dance's YouTube page, he posted a 3DO RGB mod that he was making. So um, somebody had sent that over to me, and I immediately posted on it, like, "Hey, cool! You know, why don't you, you know, why don't you sell uh, sell these boards as kits? And you know, I'd like to buy one off of you." And he immediately <laughs> responded, "Like, I don't want to because people hate me." I'm like, oh. <laughs> 
You know, and it sucks too because if you don't speak somebody's native language, it's really hard to get your point across for yeah for th- for especially for touchy things. And I just said, you know, people don't hate you, but you know your your work needed correcting. But you know, let's yeah. move forward. And look, let's be honest. I don't mean to sound like a total douchebag, but if he's selling kits, as long as the kits are built well, it doesn't really matter how his mod work is because he's not modding yeah. it. You are <laughs> so, exactly. Um, but and- there was a couple of three D O mods that were supposed to have come out that didn't. Um, so that's why, you know, anything, anything's better than nothing. And, uh, he even incorporated some of the 240p switching into it. So, you know, hopefully we could see something, you know, to play those two really great 3 do games. Yeah. <laughs> and this is something that, you know, in a community, I think pe- you, you're not targeting people and saying, aha, look at how bad that is. It's just, there's a level of quality when you're doing it as a service, when you're doing it privately with your own stuff, I've, I've made my own things that. It's okay for me right. in my house, but I wouldn't give it to someone. So the, I agree 100%. Yeah. And the two things that I always stand by is a, a couple of my original guides back when the site was still a beta um, had some pretty shitty mod work on there. And I, I just left it in because I assumed nobody was reading. And I, yeah. I figured I would just update it. <laughs> Little uh, did you know. <laughs> I caught a lot of flack for it, and they were 100% correct. I should not be posting guides showing the wrong way to do things. Yeah, uh, and on the other side of that, I should never, uh, uh, and nobody should be selling stuff like that. You know, if somebody had posted like, you know, if somebody had opened up a Dujan dance and before we knew what it was, and posted pictures of it and said like, "Hey, this is the mod work I did. Everything's secure now. What do you think?" You know, I mean, there's assholes everywhere, but your yeah. average person, the game techs, the Voltars of the world, yeah. would say things like. Hey, you know, good first step, but, you know, there's some serious issues that you should address. These yep. are important for now. These you could wait, you know, just leave it alone and do it next time. But, you know, if you want to learn, here's how to do it. But when the guy said he sold hundreds of these systems, that's, that's I wonder when how many of those are ruined forever. Exactly. The red flag goes up. All right. So there's another little emulation box up for sale on indiegogo now at the time of recording recording this they're at like uh 26 of the final goal of 50 grand and it's basically uh, a little emulation system that you could play from the uh, supposedly the original cds so have you seen this yet yes and it's a s-e-e-d-i-c-d-i-c-d-i i hope they don't call it the c-d-i cdi i don't know um, it doesn't play CDI games, which is disappointing. <laughs> you know, if if I could play uh, Faces of Evil, then I'm down. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it it plays uh, so CD games, CD based games. I, this might be an ARM based processor that's arcing from your typical Raspberry Pi, probably Raspberry Pi three, mm-hmm. something of that base. But uh, Neo Geo CD, Graphics CD, Sega CD, certain. DOS PC games, I'm sure through one of the many Raspberry Pi DOS emulators, and of course PlayStation 1. Um, Right, so I exchanged a few tweets with them, um, and they are using LibRetro, so the RetroArch, basically. And I kind of have strong opinions on these. So if they're using, uh, you know, if they're using Raspberry Pi Zero, or Raspberry Pi or whatever, and LibRetro, that means that they're taking something and 
adding to the community that's already working on it. Which, you know, you might not like these boxes, but if that's the case, cool. Because that means whatever, whatever somebody is working on on this thing, everybody benefits. Because if somebody buys the CD box and they're playing Super Mario level 2-3 and the screen glitches out, that's the same bug report as if you were running yes. on a Raspberry Pi. So that that's fine. And I, I don't I, I hope he doesn't mind me calling him out, but Ed from Freeplay Tech, um I like Ed's a good dude and I love the free play um boxes that he sells. It looks like a Game Boy Advance, but it's an emulator box. And I that is the exact way that he is approaching things. Um you know, Freeplay Tech is providing you with a, a, an awesome little kit to make yourself a portable emulation system. And he's using the platforms that are already out there, so you know, he's not trying to create his own community he's tacked on to the rest and in my personal opinion that is absolutely the perfect way to go about doing this um but if the these guys made some comments about adding their own custom software and i don't know how far they're you know or what piece of hardware they're running and anytime there's a little custom box like this it's always a piece of garbage and people get really pissed in the comments (laughs) but i called it last time because it's all it's just over history, that's always what it is. Anybody tries to do something, even taking something like Libretro and putting it on their own proprietary hardware, so now you have a very small group of people versus a global <laughs> group of people working on something. Yeah. So, so we'll I, see. I guess if I was a nicer person, I would reserve my judgments about the CD, SETI, whatever box. Um, yeah. <laughs> but my gut's telling me it's going to be a complete piece of shit, just like Retro Engine <laughs> Sigma and all the rest. And, you know, if people really want something like this, just buy a Raspberry Pi and a, you know, a portable CD-ROM drive. So Yeah. How about you? Any extra thoughts on this? No, I'm I'm in the same camp. I'm literally just kind of sitting here with my arms folded, just to be like, eh, you know, we'll see where this goes. <laughs> uh, it's not goofy priced, but again, it's still more expensive than buying a Raspberry Pi 3. And, and when so that on, Raspberry and, and Pi so 3, so when you get bored of playing games on it, you could format that SD card and make it into one of a thousand other things that Raspberry exactly. Pi made for. Exactly. So. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> well, I guess we shall see, you know, where this thing ends up. So I saw a documentary called The Power of Glove, which I had backed on, I think it was Kickstarter or something. Uh, did you get a chance to watch that one yet? I sadly have not. Um, I it's need to do my the best because I don't want to spoiler anybody. You know uh, what I mean? Okay, good, um, good. Yeah, I don't want to. I, I have to watch it. I, I haven't been doing my nerd homework lately, so <laughs> I have to catch up. Too much Metroid. Well, I think they did a great job. And uh, no spoilers. It's about the Power Glove. <laughs> oh, 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 that's it. Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one of the things, you know, they do go into technical talk a little bit, um, and they said. While they were uh, testing it, one of the things they noticed, and you know, this is in the beginning of the movie, so you know, no, no big spoilers, but the latency was about three times as long as just playing on a NES controller. <laughs> so they were designing games around that, which is fine, but then when yeah. they were trying to make those older games work, it was a nightmare, and some of the, some of the stories are, are actually pretty, pretty great in there. I don't want to spoil it, but um, you know, it just comes down to if they had released more proprietary software on launch day, it might have survived and been one of those niche peripherals like the Sega 3D glasses or light guns or something. Yeah. But Are you bad? <laughs> now, where can I watch gun. this? So where can bad. I watch this? Yeah, it's so bad. <laughs> um, I think thepowerofglove.com is the main site, so you could check it out there. I watched it on Vimeo? Vimeo? Yeah, okay. Vimeo. So... But I liked it. If you're into the Power Glove or, or old peripherals at all, it's probably worth watching. Um, and it's you know it's certainly worth a couple bucks for it. 
Next up, the emulator Emulicious has just been updated. So if you have it, you could just update right in the app or download it again. Uh, and while it's a good emulator, I think the majority of people that use it do it for testing and debugging SMS games. So uh, while it's a, a good emulator, it's it's excellent for people that actually write SMS code and stuff. You never tried any of that, have you, Wes? I have not. That's, Neither have I. That's out of my yeah. that's out of my skill set, definitely. Same here. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Anybody that needs it, I think you just update right in the app. The mobile game Super Mario Run has an update that arrives this Friday, the same day as the SNES Classic. Um, And I guess it's including a new world, a new mode, a new playable character, and more. Um, Have you played the game? Do you own that one? I did not buy it. Uh, I played the demo. Me too. I thought the demo was fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, It's a really good mobile game. My waiting might have paid off because right now, I believe maybe for a limited time, it is... Five dollars. It's fifty percent off instead of ten dollars to unlock. I wonder if it is a limited time thing or if they just lowered the price of it. Uh, you know, if they if it's a permanent price um, savings or if they just did it to promote the update or something. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, but you know, one thing is, you and I we play. We have the we're playing our portable game consoles. I bring my Switch everywhere I go if I'm not bringing my 3DS. And an issue I have with Mario Run is that its DRM is always online. So every time you start I didn't the app, that. yeah, it needs to get online. It has to download part of the game every single time. And I usually end up waiting in areas that don't have internet, and the game's just useless for me. So that's my Ugh. only reservation right now to spend the $5 for it is if I'm waiting somewhere without internet, I can't play it. Yeah, I'm on underground in the subway all the time, back and forth between Brooklyn. So it's exactly you know if I if I'm underground and flick open the app and I can't load my game, what the hell's the point? So exactly. So uh, use your 3ds. <laughs> yeah. Well, if anybody has it uh, or wants to check it out, uh, September 29th this Friday, the update. I saw on Facebook Muramasa Entertainment Muramasa. God, I'm the worst at this. I'm sorry. <laughs> Muramasa Entertainment posted pictures of a Famicom to front-loading NES converter. So I'm sure we've all seen the top-loading ones where it's just that small little thing and you put the Famicom game on and you stick yeah. it in. But with the NES ones, it's usually the ones that have like the cloth that hangs over so that you could pull them both out at the same time. Yeah. And this is more like an actual NES cart with that designed. And I think um, it was most specifically made so that you could use an FDS RAM adapter with a front-loader. Um, so I have very well, many questions about this like is the longer run of pins down the circuit board going to cause any issues is there any possibility of interference these are all electrical engineering questions yeah. and the answers to all these might be no you moron it's fine but yeah. it's, you know, <laughs> um, but the other thing too is uh, a guy I know Alex um, just for fun mod stuff now and then and he had actually built a Famicom disk system with an FDS stick into a really? So for this exact reason, so you could use it on you know a front loading and a top loading NES, and oh, it has wow. everything built in. So um, hopefully I'll get one of those to try out and just do a little video on because I thought that was awesome. Maybe he'll maybe Alex will do a, a tutorial tutorial video on how he makes it. But either way, I'm really interest, interested in the Muramasa one. Um, they look uh, I, nice. Yeah, I'll uh, yeah. I'll contact these guys and see if they'll let me borrow one just to mess with, and I'll do some of the testing myself. Have you ever played um, original FDS stuff, like actual discs? Just, just Zelda. That's all I had. 
It's a trick, uh, though, right? It is. It is. It's like it's it's like a Rube Goldberg machine of of playing a video game almost. But it's cool. It's really cool. And then of course I bought the 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 re the, not the reproduction cartridge, but when they put Zelda on the Famicom cartridge, right, and right. it says like Zelda One. This is Zelda One. <laughs> you know, so. Uh, a lot of the stuff that we end up doing because we talk about retro gaming, it, you know, a lot of it is nostalgia and experience related. And while that is very fun for me, you know, the first time I had a Famicom sitting on top of the Famicom disk system with that big ass RAM yep. adapter, and I'm <laughs> waiting for Zelda to load, and I'm yeah. flipping the disk. Like, I love that I got to experience what that's like. Especially when I did it on a BBM The little monitor. Nintendo <laughs> thing, like, you right. know, and exactly. you're just like, you're like, ooh, it's starting. I will and, say this. Mm-hmm. When I got my um, my ROM cart for the, the Famicom, Oh, that that is it's so convenient. It's like the Netflix of RGB stuff. I yeah. just like well, oh, that, that is actually there. that is actually the uh, like the whole thing for me is experiencing it with the discs, you know, with the beautiful artwork on the actual disc covers yeah. and everything. Like I loved that I got to do that. But at the end of the day, that experience didn't mean shit. What really yeah. was exciting for me was playing the games with the different music and exactly. seeing the Japanese lettering and b- buying a, a RAM cart and then one of these FDS sticks or Magic Wild cards or something. You know, then you get the ex- the actual game experience, not yeah. the loading of the disc experience. Exactly. Yeah. So that is the thing that matters a lot to me. That I, you know, that that's why I, I still own those. And you know, while having the the actual disc system's nice, it's never getting used again. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Same <laughs> so, here. <laughs> anyway, I'll keep everybody updated if I get to test one of these and see how it works. All right, so we have to report a little bit on the SNES Classic because it's coming out on Friday. So uh, Retronauts posted a review because they were able to get it um, early, uh, which is you know pretty cool. Um, I I skimmed the review not because not any disrespect towards them. I just I want to completely come to my own conclusions about it. Um, but are you going to be getting one? Did you pre-order one? Okay, so funny story. <clears throat> I ordered the European version when I was able to pre-order it. I do not know if I will get said European version. Uh, one of my co-hosts, Ken, on my podcast, was able to pre-order me one from Amazon, but he also pre-ordered himself one from Amazon. So we don't know who's going to get one or if we'll both get one. Gotcha. Uh, because I tried the, the that fresh hell the day that you had to try to get a pre-order, mm-hmm. and I just was not able to get one. Uh, I, I, I'm an adult. I'll, sadly, my job, I cannot like take off from work to go to the local Target. And tell me if I'm a bad person if I'm doing this. But my father, he's retired. He's 68 years old. He knows nothing about video games. And I, and I go to him like, hey, Dad, uh, what are you doing Friday? Oh, not much. And, you know, he wakes up early because he's retired. He's an old man. I'm like, can you do me a favor? Can you go to Target like when it opens and just pick me up this thing? Yeah, sure. I have told him he has no idea the hell he's walking into. <laughs> you know, awesome. <laughs> he's gonna be awesome. this old guy. I'm gonna have a give him a printout. He's like, can I? I got. I need this. <laughs> can someone <laughs> give me this? And he's gonna come back. I'm gonna come home from he's work gonna and come I'm back gonna empty-handed and pissed. Yeah. yeah, or he's gonna have like get one. He's like half torn and all disheveled. He's like, what did you send me to do? So we'll see what happens with that. He has no idea. He has no idea what's happening. So I actually have an appointment across the street from the Nintendo store at 11 a.m. Oh. So wow. I'm going to go at 9 a.m. 
I think that's when they open, 9 or 10. Whenever yeah. they open, I'll be there. I think the Nintendo store is going to have like six or seven of them. No, they were great yeah. about the NES Classic. No, no, There I was know. a line yeah, that yeah. was like three hours long, and every person in the line got one. Yeah. So um, I'm going to go for that, but if it's if the line takes longer than however from the time I get there to the time my appointment is, I'm going to walk away. Um, yeah. But I'm going to go just because, I mean, I live in the city now. I'm, if I don't do something fun for the podcast, well, what the hell is the point What's of living point? in yeah. New York City? Um, yeah. And then if I get it, I'm going straight home, and I'm just going to work the whole rest of the day on doing a review. Um, and hopefully it'll get picked up because the the last one I did, you know, I had a good amount of views. But, you know, you have some of these YouTube guys doing an unboxing and, a, you know, hey, look, it's great. It has no lag. And they have yeah, 100,000 views. And it's like, yeah. oh, God. And you're, like, grinding your teeth. You're like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll be worth the trouble. But I will definitely be trying my best to post a review and if anybody wants a sneak peek i recommend the retronauts one because those guys are usually thorough and do a great they're job. pretty good absolutely now one of the biggest things about the snes classic that's been drawing news from everybody is star fox 2 because it's the only official build of it ever official released. build official yeah uh, and it looks like SNESCentral.com has posted a previously unseen build of star fox 2 and they link to a github so i think you might be able to try it. i haven't had time yet i'm sorry guys normally i would i would be posting yeah. footage up here or something but uh so um if anybody I looked at the the mm-hmm. GitHub stuff, it, I mean, it, it has all the, the problem is, you know, if you're going to burn this or play it on a ROM stuff that's on an emulator, you have to make sure you have the right FX chip stuff. Right. Um, is this running all that Argonaut codes that they made just for this game? Right. Uh, but the Star Fox 2 is a very interesting story, which we'll talk about some other time. But yeah, this may be a third version of the game. Who knows? Yeah. So um, I would like, uh, I think, oh man. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll put a link in the description. I forgot the name, but I bought an all-in-one Super FX cart a while back that has every FX game, including the whatever build of Star Fox 2 that was out. And then I also bought from them a version of Star Fox that was overclocked. And it had Star oh. Fox, the Competition Edition, and 2. Uh, and it was awesome. I, I really enjoyed it. So I think I'm going to talk to those guys. Mark, I believe, is the guy that, that runs it. And um, and we'll figure it out after the fact. Maybe they'll redo. Maybe if I send it back and send them fifty bucks or something, they'll update it with this build as well as the one from the SNES Classic or something. Because that is the one downside is you can't play these games on ROM carts. You either would have to do it on an emulator or burn your own FX cart. Yeah. And of course, with the release of another Nintendo Classic console comes the release of the accessories. So uh, Nyko. <laughs> has what they're calling the Super Mini Boss for SNES Classic Edition, which is just a, what looks like a wireless SNES controller. I'm just always leery. Um, it's RF technology, play up to 20 feet away with a turbo button. I'm always leery about uh, any kind of wireless or, or any kind of lag when you're playing on consoles that were designed to have zero controller lag. Or, or yeah. zero relative to how, however the speed of light between the damn controller and the processor. You know yeah. you know what I mean. Like, it all depends on, on how it's converted. Right. The original... Yeah. You know, the original configuration being at, you know, zero. The benchmark yes. zero and that. So, um, you know, I'm not going to pass judgment until I try it. But, you know, it seems like if somebody doesn't have... SNES controllers, maybe this is a cool thing. Um, and also Hyperkin, 
uh, is has a controller adapter that allows you to play your original SNES controllers on the Mini. So I think this also means that that would be able to use your original SNES controllers on the, um, you know, like a, the Wii Remote or something. Yes. So uh, I, if I have time, I would love to try to do controller lag testing and uh, test the RafNet adapter. Um, because the RafNet ones, he spent a ridiculous amount of time trying to make sure that there's yes. as little amount of lag oh my as possible. God, yes. And, you know, Hyperkin, I, I did really enjoy the interview with Chris, and it, they, you know, they're still walking that line between, you know, sometimes they make toys, and sometimes they're really pushing for good stuff for the retro community. Yeah. And they do a lot of good. Their bad stuff gets more press because it's better press, it, but they do yep. a lot of good. So I guess uh, we shall see very soon how these adapters and everything hold up. And it looks like Nintendo Life has shown off the Super Retron HD. So it's basically the HDMI outputting SNES. Uh, and I'm really interested to see how this one is going to, to come about because I talked to Chris from Hyperkin about it and he dropped some hints, but he didn't really say anything specific. And I'm really wondering, is this just another Super Nintendo on a chip with an HDMI output? Did that, you know, I'm 99.9% sure this is not an FPGA implementation. No, um, no. What's know, the price point? Do we know the price point? It's $70, $70. right? $70. So How much? I, I would hmm. think that it was leaning more towards an emulation box yeah. than a, a SNES on a chip. But I, you know, I, I guess we have to we have to wait to see. But you know, the th- things like a sixteen by nine, four by three aspect ratio switch, just like the yeah. Retron HD, leaning towards <laughs> SNES on a chip here. Yeah, so. that's what I'm I'm also saying. But you know, we'll reserve judgment until we we get it out. And during that interview, I must say that you did with him, which was very interesting. They are, I think, they have some sort of skunk works where they are looking into more high end items yeah so i mean this is meant to be on the floor in a best buy i know that (laughs) if i had to completely speculate now take this with a grain of salt in fact i would say call bullshit on this but just as some a fan of retro stuff looking at it i would think that this was a snes on a chip and i think this purpose was to get it out at the same time as the snes classic to piggyback on the marketing and to make it more like a toy and they probably have something else more important being worked on in the background, but it's going to take a lot more time to get a more a more robust solution out the door. So that would be my guess. But like I said, uh, most likely bullshit because I'm just I'm just talking for this one. Nothing uh, you know, nothing specific. But uh, I'll try to get it and review it when it comes out. Um, and it just says launches later this year for seventy dollars, seven twenty p HD, and you know. We shall see. (laughs) We shall see. So next, I obviously got to talk about the RGB modded TV that we did. Uh, Did you see the video? Yes, and I must say, yes, please. I, uh, <laughs> I, I'm literally going up in my attic, and I'm like, I have this old Trinitron, and I have this old Sony, and yeah. it's like, where can I meet Bob halfway on my way to New York City to <laughs> to do this? So yes, I, I'm super excited after I saw that video. Wow, what a like. 
I mean, it looks just like good. an arcade monitor. It was yeah. really impressive. So I wanted to do an overview video and not a how-to video because there's so much that I don't understand. Yes. And, you know, it's different for somebody to just put up a review than somebody whose website's supposed to give you <laughs> instructions on things. Yeah. So I wanted to do this first, <laughs> especially we did run into trouble. Um, I'm wondering why it was so bright. Uh, Jose did do 75 ohm to ground on the circuit, but then we also had series resistors. I don't know. I, I really want to go back in and do it step by step, but I felt like that's how I learn. I jump right into it first. Yes. Then I go back and figure it out. Everybody's different. Some people could read and, uh, you know, and just memorize stuff. But yeah, I just, I thought that was really cool. And I really wanted to at least um, start the process of sharing with people how to do this. So now, now Jose also brought this up a few times in the video. Um, this is something that is not meant for novices. Uh, it is no. whenever you work with any sort of cathode ray tube device, you there's a lot of dangers involved, whether in in many facets. So, right. uh, if you're watching this and this is the first project you ever want to endeavor on, don't. There's don't do many it. other things you can get your feet wet. Uh, there are great forums where you can talk to people that they could do it with you. Uh, but this is something I've always, you know, this is the the safety person in me is I teach yeah. children. I'm like, that's awesome, but I want to make sure everyone's safe. See, for me, it's the opposite because I'm usually like, <laughs> screw safety, jump yeah. right into it, you know, race a motorcycle without a helmet. But exactly. this, this is the thing that I'm definitely going to say, don't do it. And the other thing is I'm not sure in which cases you would need to do it. So the perfect example is the next TV Jose and I are going to do is a Toshiba that has all of the inputs. And I want to put Super Nintendo through uh, the HD retrovision cables into the component inputs, take really good pictures of that, and then mm. pump Super Nintendo in through the RGB mod and see if there really is a difference. Because maybe, you know, maybe for your average electronics nerd, the better thing to do is just find a TV with component inputs and leave yeah. leave the RGB modding to the experts. So no disrespect to anybody. I just this is one of the rare times that I'm going to say safety first. Yeah, yeah. Last thing you want is to get the email of like, my dad did this for me, and now he's dead. And you're like, no. Right. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, Jose and all this modding, I have another story to tell you guys. All right, so I'm going to skip to the end for the people that don't give a shit and just want to skip to the next part. But the the skipping to the end is I finally got a stand-up MVS machine up in the office. Um, I will be reviewing the ROM carts on it, Darksofts and the Neo SD. Uh, but how it ended up there, I think, is a funny story. And I think you're going to think it's a funny story, but maybe everybody else is going to be like, stop rambling. But So um, when I get settled in the office and I knew it was a place I was going to stay in for more than a month or two, I wanted to get an arcade machine again because I had the MK machine back in my old apartment. Um, and, you know, with all the ROM carts coming up, I felt like it was the perfect thing to get an MVS machine. So I found one online. And uh, this is a full upright machine. Full upright machine. Full upright video machine. playing for people, uh, you know, for people watching. But uh, basically, I picked one that was um, a conversion kit because it had a flawless tube in there. I mean, that is, you don't see arcade tubes in that good condition very often. But it didn't have the red sides, and it was only a one slot. But if you're going to use predominantly a ROM cart, it doesn't matter that it's a one yeah. slot. So I got it for a pretty good price. I got it for about 500 bucks. And then these guys recommend I use this one guy for delivery. Now, so far, the guys that I bought it from, you know, they were a place. They had, you know, they had it in, um, I think it was in the, the back of an ice skating rink that was only open a few days a week, which is why the tube looked so good. It wasn't that many hours. Yeah. And they had it, um, they actually had it serviced from real technicians. 
So I assumed when they uh, when they gave me this guy's name that this was like a real delivery guy, and he said it was like over three hundred and fifty bucks to deliver it, but you know he'll take care of everything. Yeah. I said, all right, but there's a lot of stairs in this office, <laughs> and he goes, yeah, it's you know as long as it could fit, we'll take care of it. That's what I do. If no it problem. fits, it ships. Yeah. Yep. So I said, fine. And then I get a call from him, like, hey, uh, do you need this arcade machine right away? And I said, no disrespect, I don't give a shit when it shows up. If you can yeah. get it to me cheaper. He said, well, why don't I wait until I have a delivery in Brooklyn? So I'll pick it up tomorrow, but then I'll leave it on my truck, and then, you know, we'll come to deliver it whenever. Okay, fine. So I figure I'll get a discount. I'm in no rush. After he gets it on his truck, I he says... Well, this thing's really heavy. You're going to need at least uh, three friends to come help us bring it up the stairs. <laughs> you know, in my in my head, I'm like, three fifty was great when it was just delivered. Yeah. Like over that, when you know, I could have rented a U-Haul, hired my, uh, a bunch of movers, and done it for like two hundred. So I just, yeah. all right, whatever. And then it's, and I can only drop it off Monday through Friday between ten a.m. and one p.m. Which is like the hours that everybody on the planet is at work. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So I finally, I asked a bunch of people, and it turned out to be Jose happened to have uh, last Wednesday morning off. So he offered to come, which I felt bad because, you know, he's helped me with a bunch of crap lately. So I felt bad bugging him, but, you know, he said no problem. I woke up, I woke, I woke up uh, the day before, and I couldn't feel my right foot. So I ended up calling the doctor, and they said, definitely come in on Wednesday. So Jose shows up, and I'm dragging my leg behind me. The guy comes with his son, and they are... Like your foot's just numb? Numb. And these guys are useless. Jose and I take it out of the back. It was a van, not a truck. It was like a Dodge Caravan. Um, you know, he, the guy at least brought a dolly. And I'm saying, all right, well, let me get on the bottom of this thing because, you know, I might be fat, but I'm pretty strong. But, like, like real people strong, not, like, go to a gym strong. So let me yeah, push and use my whole body weight. Uh, somehow or another, the guy's son ends up below, and Jose and I end up pulling the thing up the stairs with the dolly. But I only have one working foot. <laughs> so I'm pulling this thing up with all my might. Halfway through, I, I almost wanted to die. And Jose's like, come on, bro, get it done, get it done. <laughs> we got it up to the top. We ended up in there. I just, I was so mad. I just paid the guy. I didn't even want to argue with him. I just, I didn't have it in me. I would have killed him if I, if he started yelling at me. Yeah. So I ended up going to the doctor. Apparently I have, um, uh, a, a disc in my back that, um, that was actually like not fully exploded, but a ruptured disc. So the whole numb foot thing was the nerve ending. Just and being when I met cut the doctors, she was like, did you, uh, did you lift anything heavy recently? It's like, funny you mentioned that. And I told her what happened. She's like, what is wrong with you? Why would you do that with a numb foot? You could have made it worse. And in hindsight, if I was underneath pushing, it actually probably would have been a lot worse than ending up pulling. But So I have the MVS machine. My foot still doesn't work, which is why I'm standing, why I've been standing doing the podcast on a standing desk at my apartment, not in the office. Uh, and poor Jose got dragged to the office again to help me out with some bullshit like that. So, are you gonna be okay though? Oh, I have no idea. But uh, <laughs> it hurts when I sit, and it doesn't hurt when I stand. So, if okay. there were ever a time to have a stand-up arcade machine, this I feel is the like time. <laughs> this is all falling into place. So, what about what about? Can you lay down and feel okay on your back? Yeah, if I'm from completely flat or or like perfectly horizontal or perfectly vertical i'm fine if i'm sitting it's so we're gonna have to mount like the screens above you so you could just lay down and play 
Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when I, I had to drive back and forth to the doctor, it looked like I was riding dirty because I had to have the seat all the way back, or else I couldn't even like I couldn't even move oh, my leg. And I drive a standard transmission car, so. Oh yeah, yeah you, you do. My shitty little Kia, get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, very soon is will be a full MVS stand-up review, including ROM carts, and and uh, hopefully I could use this as an opportunity to do some videos about how to work on arcade machines. And then depending on where I end up, I might actually end up selling this arcade machine because Jose and I had an idea for something that I don't want, mm. I don't want to tease it too much yet, but uh, I would need the money for this to build that. So maybe after the reviews are done, hopefully on the sides, I could put like a nice marquee and, or something, but so and anybody in the Brooklyn area, then I'll be interested. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I love, I love your, uh, your candor here. You're like, yeah, you know, I'm partially paralyzed, but I got the arcade machine. I got the MVS, got the MVS <laughs> machine up the stairs. With no help from the guy that I spent a lot of money to deliver it for. Me, so. <laughs> All right, now on to the Q and A's. Um, I think most of these have quick answers, so Wes, hopefully I'm not keeping you on here too long. That's <laughs> uh, fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, first up, um, label me Justin. Uh, caught a mistake I made. Said, uh, and I'm, I'm, I make a lot of them. I'm sorry, but I what I had meant to say about the 120 hertz for the retro look is you actually take a PC and you run it at 320 by 240. And when you're outputting VGA, that's still the higher refresh rate, so you don't get the thick scan lines. But when you run it at 120 hertz, it has a kind of a uh, 240p look. And Dan Mons actually sent in a picture, uh, a pretty good picture, actually, of, of what it looks like. Um, and, I mean, it, it's pretty convincing. I mean, I you know, you could even see the, the vertical scan lines. And when you're playing on wow. a really high-end VGA monitor, um, it might actually be a viable solution. So... Yeah, definitely. Uh, sorry for the mistake. Thanks to Dan for sending the picture in, and I would love to do a video on this sometime soon, just to to see. You don't happen to have a really high end VGA monitor, do you? Like one of the the Sony twenty four inches? I sadly do not. No, not anymore. I got rid of a lot of that stuff years ago, and I'm regretting it. Yeah. Yeah, we all did. <laughs> it's like next, uh, Byronzilla. Byronzilla, oh. yeah, I, I'm sorry, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he has an OSSC that's working fine with everything except his Turbo Graphics. Um, he said he can't send the signal in with the first generation of the Turbo Booster. The signal's not mm. even detected by the open source scan converter. So if you mean the DB Graphics one, just make sure that your RGB cable has the correct components in it. I did a whole video about this. Um, because that would be an issue, and you could contact Renee because it depends on what version of his. Uh, but basically, it's probably just the sync, uh, the sync line on that. Uh, if you're not using the um, the DB booster, then I'm not really sure because the the Turbo booster doesn't have RGB. That's just that was just the composite video output. Do you have a Turbo booster, Wes? The the actual. I... I do, I do. I pump it through a G-SCART, so... No, no, the, the Turbo Booster, the official NEC one. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. Okay, because no. I'm pretty I, sure I, that's just composite yes. video. It's just composite. In fact, yeah. I do have one, but it was sent out to uh, Evan to get photos taken of it. So. Gotcha. And yeah. now you, but on the other side of that, you do have a DB Graphics Booster and yes, an OSSC, that's what I meant. right? Yes, And yes. it does work for you. It does work through the G-SCART. I haven't connected directly to it, but... Probably shouldn't make a difference. All right, cool. Yeah. 
Next, Ed from Free Play Tech was talking about um, what to do about separating the interviews, and he had a good idea. Uh, he said, I wonder if there's a way to do a full interview separately but have some sort of abridged interview tacked on to the next news episode. I love that idea. I like it better than me talking about it. I like it at the end, so it's like, hey, you know, next week we have a, an interview with Wes from Second Opinion Games, and then there's just a, a quick, like, maybe a highlight one minute, reel. a highlight reel of something. So there we go, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, You call me a stupid drunk for drinking PBR while I was in the middle of the interview with you, and yeah. <laughs> we'll do a highlight interview. So, yeah, You're a me. hack, Bob. No one likes you. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> perfect. So, yep. All right. Thanks, Ed. I appreciate you taking the time to give your feedback, so... So a lot of people had commented about Smoke Monster section. Um, as I said before in the intro, I loved it, and we're having him back one way or another. Um, you know, i got to be respectful of everybody's time, so I just I don't want to make him do this every week. But uh, one person, FalconsFan1979, said something that literally made me laugh out loud. He said he didn't like uh, Smoke Monster's corner. He suggested Smoke Monster's lair or den. Because corner just sounds like he's being punished. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All, I love that, that yeah. with Jennifer Aniston, the good girl, where the guy's yelling at his dog, get in your corner. Yeah, get like, in your corner. Yeah, that is a uh, yeah, good Falcons fan. <laughs> thank you. That's a good idea. We'll have to change up the name. Next, Giuseppe Astro- uh, Astrologo. I want to say Astro Logo, but that means I'm an asshole, so I'm sorry. <laughs> Giuseppe, there we is go. Is it Giuseppe. like the logo of the Astros? Is it astronomy logo or is it astrologo? Yeah. Astrologo? You guys Ooh. know I'm the worst of this. I hope, Giuseppe, I hope you're laughing. At least I know how to, uh, to pronounce Giuseppe. I had a, yeah. a friend growing up with that name. So, um, But he said this may have, uh, might be of interest to other people who have a 4K OLED LG TV like mine. He said there was an update to the TV software on September 9th that caused the OSSC to stop functioning in line five mode. Um, mine, uh, mine should arrive by the time this airs, my new one, so I will be testing then. Um, and he said, if, uh, if you want to, it's a bit of a process, but you could downgrade the firmware to the previous version. So um, I'm very happy with my new TV, and I can't wait to start gaming on it through an OSSC. So thank you so much, Giuseppe, for posting that, because uh, if it didn't work in 5X mode, I would... Uh, bitch and moan and cry so at least now i'll have a, a path yeah. to go down if it's not working yeah the um, only thing i have to add is i'm very jealous of your tv and i want it <laughs> but you have a 4k tv a nice I do. one and you have, have a very nice source scan converter i do um and uh, 5x you... doesn't never worked on mine i can never. only do four yeah it's a sony one too uh, i'm a big proponent of though looking into the updates for these newer tvs because my sony had a really good update this past summer that lowered input lag. Ooh, okay. So it was, like, actually in, like, the notes. It's, like, you know, lowering input lag across, like, all all modes. Mm-hmm. So it was really nice. I mean, game mode is still the best one, but, you know, if you want to play in Vivid or whatnot, you know, you're not, you know, you're not playing Mega Man 1 or something, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, well, thanks for the update. All is 666. Oliz, O-L-I-Z, yeah, sorry, I'm just the worst. These games, uh, oh man. <laughs> um, he wants to get a Sega Master System and a flash cart, but he wants to get the best RGB and FM sound output. Um, now, this is really complicated and long, so I'm, gonna sim- I'm just going to simplify this as quickly as possible. Um, everything you need to do to get the best RGB output is going to require some kind of mod. 
We're still working on the SMS itself because uh, there's a few things about it that we're just trying to get through the last little bits of interference if you're a perfectionist. Um, but if you just want an easy solution now, you can get a Genesis, um, you know, and then buy the latest EverDrive that does FM sound, but then you won't get 3D capabilities. So I could probably talk for 10 minutes about that, yeah. but I would have to say, you know, you have to just decide what games you want to play and what kind of experience you want. And if you really just want everything the Master System has to offer, I would suggest buying the MK2000, the Japanese version that has the FM sound chip and the 3D glasses built in, um, and then getting a, con a converter and an EverDrive. So you put the EverDrive yeah. in that into... Um, there's a couple other ways to do it, but overall that's going to be you know a good solution that solves it. And you won't need to... It won't be the most perfect video quality, but it will output RGB, and you won't need to do any modding. You literally just order a bunch of stuff, plug it in, and you're done. So, uh, But that's definitely a topic I want to approach again at another time. Maybe I'll do an in-depth video or some crap like that and go through, because I, for some crazy reason, have such an affinity for certain for certain Master System 3D games, actually. So uh, I really want to go back and give the whole ultimate Master System guide. So sorry if I didn't answer the question in full, but hopefully I could at least have pointed you in the right direction. Okay, and uh, the last question is from Sand Plasma, and uh, he made a good point, and I, thank you, please keep reminding me, guys. He said, it would be cool if you gave us a description of the things you're updating on. I don't know what a GC Video X is, and I'm probably not alone. Yeah, you are totally right, and uh, I'm, I get so caught up in the week-to-week -week things that, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm repeating myself, and while, I mean, technically I am, that's not fair to anybody that's just jumping on. I mean, I'm yeah. obviously trying to grow the channel, and if I just assume everybody's in the loop, then it sucks for everybody. So thank you for reminding me. As always, everybody keep the feedback coming. You know, I could, uh, <laughs> I always could use a good kick in the ass, so uh, thank you for reminding me, and uh, I'll try to get uh, try to get better and uh, just throw little things in. And for the record, a GC Video X is Badass Console's version of an external GameCube video solution. So Ooh. it's basically a dongle that you plug into the back of a GameCube that gets HDMI or analog output, um, one for each. It's not out yet. It's been delayed a bit, um, a bit, but uh, it's still on. A little track, bit. So, <laughs> yep. All right, well, I guess that's it. What do you think, Wes? Did I bore the shit out of you? Did you have a right time? No, no, no. I mean, I fell asleep a few times, but you edited that out. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. We should do this again in the near future. Absolutely. Um, yeah, if you guys enjoyed my voice, uh, actually, Bob has also been on my show. I do an audio-only podcast. You can get on iTunes and basically everything else, Google Play. If it does podcast, we're on it. It's secondopiniongames.com. Uh, got a lot of cool stuff there. Should do a show once a week, uh, but I'm on your show this week because that's just how cool you are. Uh, well, um, I will absolutely link to. Um, I'll just link to your main site because it has all the sublinks in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really I had a lot of fun doing this with a co-host. So uh, I want, as always, I wanted to give everybody what they want. So uh, just post down below and let us know what you think. And you know, maybe yeah. we'll rotate it out, and I'll bother some of my other friends to help me other weeks, <laughs> and uh, we'll do it this way, and just kind of see how it goes. Um, I have a few things coming up, but for you, Wes, now you, I will link to your weekly podcast. And do you have any other events or something that you want to promote that you're coming up, or just the podcast well, for now? Well, actually, Bob and I, if you want to meet us in person, we'll be at the Retro World Expo. Is that uh, official? Is that like, I, definitely I, happening? 
I think we're, we'll physically go. I, we got tickets. <laughs> well, I will. Yeah, um, I mean, I'll definitely gonna um, go. I think we may uh, or may not be presenting there. But, yes, um, it's it's. I think that's we said we were, but I haven't heard anything yet. But they are also super busy. I'll shoot an email out to them. But either way, uh, we'll be walking around. <laughs> you, yep. you could spot us from a mile away, Definitely. and uh, I'm sure if someone's uh, AV setup breaks, Bob and I will be there to fix it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, upcoming, um, I have uh, I believe the retro roundtable is happening tonight, Wednesday. Um, I, uh, I didn't really pay attention in the Skype chat. I'm sorry, guys. I think it's tonight. <laughs> uh, if anybody wants to watch the live stream of a bunch of nerds just completely going out and, uh, great you know, show. It's a great show. If you like the nerdier end of things, it is. If not, uh, you'd be bored to death. I like it, but I me. Um, and very soon, within a week, um, I have Voltar committed to doing a live stream with me about comparing, uh, SNES hacks to different SNES one chip versions. Which is something I've spent a lot of time on, but the final question that I want answered is, if you hack a one chip, one, two, and three, will they all look the same after they're hacked? Because they, Mm -hmm. you know, they're hit or miss. Mm -hmm. And if you bypass it to its own chip on all three versions, like, what is that? So that, um, you know, it's going to be another long live stream. It's not for everybody, definitely. Uh, you know, more people would probably prefer the abridged version when I could edit it down and post some stuff. But I do love doing the live, live streams. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I love the interaction with people. And Voltar is always a blast to have on. So yeah. I'll have him <laughs> running the chats while, I, uh, while I'm doing all the busy work. Which is the opposite, because I usually make him do all the work while I'm <laughs> I'm yelling at him. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll be uh, I'll be the worker bee this time. So <laughs> all right, well, thanks to everybody for watching. Thanks to you, and Wes. Thanks for, for having me on. on. And uh, yeah, we gotta do it again soon. Yeah, definitely. I'll see yeah. everybody next week.